This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode on the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. Today, I'm bringing back one of my dear friends, Tani, to chat with me. And today, we're going to be talking about racism, because this is what's happening in the world right now. And we just spent an hour chatting before we hit record today, but we just really wanted to paint a clear picture on the the topics that we're going to touch on and just bring light to the situation and just address the realities of what's going on in the world. So I'm really thankful to have you back on the channel, Tani. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself for our new listeners. Cause it's actually, I think we pretty much just had our one year anniversary from the first episode. Oh my we God, did. we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. We yeah. recorded, it was about a year ago that we did our last episode. So I would love for you to like reintroduce yourself to the new listeners. Wow. That just blew me away. So <laughs> Hi guys, my name is Tani Amankra. I am a self-love witch, uh, as well as massage uh, therapy student at the moment who works on energy as well as mindset development. Um, uh, in our last episode, we were talking about mental health, um, which as I'm sure most of you know during COVID has been a struggle for everybody. Um, so. Honestly, I'm kind of really glad to be back. It's the appropriate time. <laughs> oh, for sure. Definitely, you know, one year anniversary and just record another really powerful episode. We'll obviously be touching on mental health and personal development and talking about racism as well. And mm-hmm. like this year, obviously, it's been insane. Yeah. With the pandemic. The yeah, like the pandemic, Australia catching on fire also the election happening in november with donald trump that's a whole other pipeline to go down but uh yeah so today we just we wanted to have a conversation about racism and just talking about the system of it and just talking about microaggressions and unconscious biases and that kind of thing and just really having an open dialogue because i think that normalizing these conversations in the sense of not enabling what's going on but normalizing so that people become more comfortable about speaking up and become more aware of their own unconscious biases and ways that they're being racist without realizing it and just so that everyone can like essentially own their own crap and be able to do something about it. How how women don't talk about like personal things we don't talk about our bodies like we were told that like to talk about your private parts is wrong right so for so many years like a lot of people like I know a lot of people like we didn't talk about our periods per se yeah or things like that and then you just thought that you were alone and you were weird whereas like now when we're at this level of like vulnerability and able to share with each other we're like oh my god you experienced that too which creates that form of connection and it allows you to just be able to express yourself. Like for me, that's been able, that's allowed me to be able to have certain conversations with people and to be comfortable with my body. Yeah, it's true. There is, yeah, and that's a whole other thing too. Is like the stigma around vaginas. Yeah, and I even I even laughed when I said it though. Like to, to be to be quite honest, because like there's like there's still that that uncomfortable feeling of talking about periods. Like 
even for me when I've dated people and they're like, oh, I'll go buy you tampons. I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's why it's like, we all, we all have periods. Like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. We well, all I mean, it's brought in poop. We're going to talk about all the things today. Vaginas, penises, poops, poops racism, yeah. like how, like how awkward, not awkward, but like gonna get real vulnerable yeah how real (laughs) is this conversation gonna get but yeah back to the whole point of what you're saying is that there is a power in normalizing certain things so that it empowers people to be open and vulnerable about it right which is like the entire intention of our conversation today so yeah it's been it's been it's really been something and I think so myself I'm in Vancouver and Tani's in Ontario and uh so I mean we're having this conversation across the nation but it's like this reality of racism is obviously affecting everywhere and I think maybe one of the first things we can talk about is just the fact that we're both in Canada is that this whole concept of oh there isn't racism in Canada right thinking that yeah and just the whole thing around looking at United States being amplified and like the protests and and everything going on and yes there's protests going on in Canada too but like this is this is part of the system is like it's it's a veil right where we don't realize what we're doing because it's been going on for so long also think about it the system is also in control of what the media is going to show as well so a lot of the things that have happened in canada whether you watch the news or not i'm personally not one to watch the news um because it's just always negative um you see some aspects of what happened but you never get the full story yeah um or you just don't see anything at all so like I've even been pretty naive to the fact like that there was racism in Canada regardless of the fact that I even experienced some microaggressions growing up but I never saw it as the extent of the U.S. yeah and that it's almost sneakier that way you know like a like a slow burn in the sense and I was sharing with Tawny so I'm originally from Victoria on Vancouver Island and where I went to school it was like right beside you know an indigenous res like I had a ton of indigenous students in the school with me and from grade 6 to 12 I was always around them and what I was seeing was it was more likely for me to see a pregnant indigenous girl than a pregnant white girl and then you know like I say this with air quotes you know the quote troublemakers where you know usually the indigenous people getting into fights at school with drugs and alcohol and so on and so that's what I was seeing or even seeing the res the reses like sometimes they were really worn down and they're stray dogs and it just that's that's what I was seeing so that is what I was learning yeah mine was almost the opposite of yours except so a lot of the the girls at my school that were getting pregnant and were doing all these like crazy sexual things or whatever um, in the schools were white women. But the people that were um, portraying this urban quote unquote look um, or that were troublemakers and, and gangsters were the black people. And I even felt and dealt with racism from the black people in my school because I wasn't black enough I wasn't black enough to hang out with the black people so then I then tried to then fit in with I never really fit in with anybody I kind of was one of those people who like jumped from cafeteria table to cafeteria table and was friends with everybody but then even being labeled in school because we were in a catholic school 
I got really long legs, dude. Like I'm all legs, no torso. And there's another girl who was a white girl who was the same body shape as me. And I got sent to the office because my skirt was too short. And then I got doubly sent there because I decided to stand up for myself and say, well, how come this girl doesn't have to go to the, the principal's office for her outfit? She's wearing the same thing as me. My kilt is not altered. And then, so I got in trouble for talking back and I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And that's when I got sent downstairs and was called, uh, told my look was urban, um, where I was actually wearing, um, you know, those nineties chokers, the little, like, yeah, the little twisty one. Yeah. And I had a spiky punk bracelet on, like a gothy bracelet on, but I was told that I was portraying this urban vibe. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? Yeah, and it's 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 crazy how we, we add these meanings to things that we see, right? And And even with being educated about what these things mean, like when I was sharing about me being in school and and seeing this with the indigenous culture like one thing that i didn't learn about and speaking of the whole veil of systemic racism and and judging people on how they look and so on i didn't learn about residential schools until i was 23 years old in university and i did an indigenous course for my bachelor degree in education and i learned about you know the oppression of indigenous people and how they were taken away from their families and they were raped and molested and like their their languages have essentially become extinct because of you know white people oppressing them and Mm -hmm. that like these things don't get talked about and therefore it makes things awkward when we go to talk about them which is why you know tani and i are willing to have this like conversation where we're sharing experiences from our life of where we've seen racism without even like realizing it like that me in high school seeing that is an example of like racism and me not questioning it is allowing it to happen. But the thing is, I didn't even know. And now here we are in this awakening in the middle of 2020, literally June 2020, and people are suddenly the veil is being lifted. Yeah, it's like people are now surprised that there is racism. And the reason that I appreciate you doing this and asking me if I would be willing to do this is because we've had our own conversations about <clears throat> microaggressions and racism. Um, whereas like, I change my hair all the time. I love the fact that I can just do whatever to it. Sometimes I'll put extensions, sometimes I'll have a wig, sometimes it'll be my own hair, or I'll have clip-ins or whatever it is, or I'll dye it. And I remember one day, just Caleb just asked me about my hair and was like, what did you ask me? I can't remember what you asked I, me. I don't know. Were you, did you have pink hair or was it I something think, else? So I this think is- it might've been when my hair was pink. Okay, so this, for the listeners, this is an example of microaggression and me not being aware that I was being microaggressive and essentially racist. But I asked Tawny, I was like, oh my God, I must have said something like, is that your real hair? Yeah, like, is that your real hair? Did you dye it that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that your real hair? Did you dye it that color? And I just, like, because I've known Kayla for, (laughs) I know her, I knew her, um, well at that point and she has helped me get into like a lot of personal development so I knew I could have this conversation with her but I just really got offended and I was like don't ask me about my hair do you like do you ask your white friend about her hair yeah and yeah and I I just think when she said that like obviously I didn't know like that is just to show my like white privilege and being naive in the sense that I didn't realize I was being offensive because I said to Tawny when we talked today I was like if my friend had the same color hair that you had that time and she was a white girl I wouldn't go and ask her like oh are you wearing a wig like how did you do that to your hair you know what I mean like it was suddenly because it was her and she's a black woman that it's interesting and I wanted 
to know about it. But then I, I told Tani that my intention was literally, it was admiration. And it was like, oh my God, it looks great. But the thing is, is that whether or not that was my intention, the impact is that I'm like noticing her and like judging, even though it was from a good point, I'm still you know, looking at these things and asking and noticing that like as a black woman, she has different colored hair. Like that has always made me very uncomfortable. Like when I've done my hair, I'm always like, if say, for instance, if I was wearing a wig or whatever, I'm like, people are going to know somebody's going to fucking ask. Like, I don't want to deal with this today. Like, why can't I just like, just go about my day like a normal person and not be seen because my hair looks different today. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just, that's one thing that I've learned so much in the last few weeks with things blowing up on social media is what microaggression is. And even though my intent was not to offend you, it's still tied in with the system of racism and just, you know, exploiting people for, you know, just minding their own business. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just but like then, and then yet. the irony, I guess, yeah, I guess I would call it irony is like, We've been told, and it still happens today, there's actually, I can't remember where it is, I think it's in the UK, where these young black girls were told that they had to leave school because their hair was untidy. So whether it was um, an afro, or um, their hair was just curly and big, and it may have been hot that day, so it was a little bit frizzy, or their hair was braided, you gotta go home because your hair is not neat but we'll see people in fashion or celebrities or even I've seen a girl oh my god I saw a girl on the bus one day with like the longest um the longest like nails like fake nails and her hair braided and this was a white woman so it's weird it doesn't make sense how society makes us as black women feel bad about our hair and then says that our hair is nappy or that our hair is untidy. And then when we do something to style it, it's, it's then we, we can't do that either. And then, and then white, people, white women like to appropriate it and then take it for themselves. And then it becomes okay. And it's like, who, where did that become the standard that if someone who is white takes on this, this thing, it's okay? Yeah. I, I love that you just brought up the conversation of cultural appropriation because this is also something that I've been learning about. And even things like you're talking about hair and fashion right now and, you know, like white people taking that as their own from like black culture. And the other thing that I've learned recently is, and I'm seeing this a lot as a coach, like in the lingo that we use, like join our Facebook tribe or, you know, saying things like, yes, queen. Or calling people sis or sister or girl. Yet like a lot of those coaches who I've looked up to, I not not a lick of black women on their panels, um, in their friends list. You'll maybe see like a, a speck in their in their um, at their events. There'll be like little little specks of women of color there, and that's one of the reasons. And I'm gonna say her name. I'm sorry, I don't care why. I've never gone to um, Angie Lee's um, event. And I really wanted, I really admired her as a person before. And I always had this weird vibe about her and I didn't know what it was. And then I finally started seeing like her events, like people that I knew were taking videos. And I was like, there's not a woman there that looks like me. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting you brought this up too, because I, I don't follow her on Instagram. I've heard of her 
And then I saw how this whole thing blew up. She got called out. There was comments deleted by black women on a Facebook post that she had. And then people obviously started speaking up. And then this is a really great example of like white fragility where she went on her Instagram story and was really essentially crying that she felt bad that she wasn't inclusive and that you know, she hadn't been considerate of, you know, the comments that were being written down and she was deleting them and not having more black women on her podcast. And when that's an example of white fragility, because she made the con the conversation of racism about her and her feelings, she felt bad. That's not what matters in the conversation. What matters is that she was either intentionally or unintentionally, we're always going to be talking about the impact. She was oppressing, you know, people of color and black women that that's what was happening and so the way to deal with that just in my opinion is owning that and mm -hmm. then it's like what are you doing moving forward oh she didn't own it you know what she did because i was following her i like i when i tell you that this was someone that i looked up to i'm telling you i like listened to to podcasts um because like she talks about building your brand building your your business and like that's something i was working on and i was a part of her email list and I recently got an email because I was like, oh, I forgot I was even following her. Got an email about how she deleted her Instagram. That was that was her response to all of this. And when I saw that, I was like, goodbye. I unsubscribed. I made sure I was not following her. And I am very disappointed. And I'm very glad. I can't remember her name for the life of me. Um, that coach that you sent to me, who was one of the women who was silenced by Angie Lee. And that really hit me and it made things make sense. You know, when you just have this intuitive knowing of like, mm, I don't know if I should do this. Like, I, I know that this is something that I want, but yeah, I don't know if it's, if it's this one. That's how I felt with, with um, deciding if I was going to do coaching with, with Angie Lee. And so when I heard this woman's story talking about how Angie Lee silenced her for talking up about racism, the reason why... I was so moved by that. I'm even getting chills right now is because I was a part of um, a Facebook Canadian coven group. So Canadian witches. So my naive self thought if I'm in a Canadian coven group, I'm going to, I will not have to deal with the racism that happens in the U S to black people who are witches, not the case. So <clears throat> when it came to someone posting a picture that was like, witches, witches against white supremacy, good night alt-right some man decided he was going to comment and say that this post is too political and it's pretty much telling him what to do um and i decided to just ask politely i was like okay i know this might get deleted but can i just ask what it is about this post that that is political and what about it is making you uncomfortable and that post got deleted. So I decided to make my own post and I was like, okay, so um, that photo that was up earlier got deleted and I kind of want to know why. Um, I also want to know why that was political, like what aspect of that was political because they said good night alt-right or is it because it says which is against white supremacy, which is the, which is the political part. And um, I had one admin, <clears throat> of course a white admin, there are no admins of color in that group um comment on it and say oh well it's just a political post and like we we don't allow political posts in the group okay but what about it is political can you explain to me what is political my post got deleted and once my post got deleted i had three white women in my inbox who were like what the fuck 
What happened to your post? Why did you get deleted? Why did they take your post down? That didn't make any sense. They didn't explain anything. And I'm like, oh, I know. And I'm gonna be parting ways. So I made an, I was about to make another post because um, someone else had jumped in after me as well. Like there are people that were not refusing to be, to be silent. I decided I was gonna make another post. Um, and by the time I, like, I posted something like, I'm very disappointed, like you're supposed to be witches. We've been oppressed for years specifically as women um, and, and just as witches, because as a collective, whether you're a male or a female or you're non-gender, non as witches, there's always been this oppression. So the fact that you're supposed to be all about life and harmony and, and, and energy and, and about people and all these things and you're not gonna stand up against white supremacy. So I was like, I'm disappointed. And like, by the time I tried to write my post, it was like, it wouldn't allow the post to go up. Like now it had to be reviewed, whereas they didn't have that before. So I just decided to take myself out of that group. And um, I had a, had more people come into my inbox supporting me and telling me that they were still yelling on, in the, on the page. Posts were getting removed. Um, and I then was embraced by these witches. A few of them were white, embraced by these witches from Canada who were like, this is not right. And we want you to be a part of this group. We're progressive. We don't, we don't believe that anything about that was political. This is about human life and human decency. And now our group has actually expanded and there are people of color in the group. I am actually one of the admins, one of the girls who created the group and added it and said, she was like, I, she was like, I would love for you to be an admin of this group if that's something that you would like to do. And I decided to do it. I've never, I don't usually like being admins of groups at all. But one of, like now our group is actually on a list that's circulating on the internet of safe spaces. That's amazing. From all of that, which was so aggravating to deal with, to try and fight. Fighting people on the internet is the most like oh, waste worry. of time. <laughs> I agree. It's the biggest waste of time. And when it comes to this, and you just want people to open their eyes to the racism that's happening and, and the fact that like somebody didn't want to post up because it was political without an explanation of why it's political. So it's, then to us, it's like, okay, so you're, you're with white supremacy. Well, that, that is, was, that is white, that is white privilege. Like what you're saying is white privilege. Like whoever, you know, took that down or whatever that the privilege is, they can do whatever and there's no consequences. So there you are being oppressed your voice and what you're sharing is being oppressed and that person who took down the post there's just no consequences they get to be comfortable in the fact that they had the power to do that and just kind of like brush it under the rug like this this is what the problem is this is what white supremacy is this is what white privilege is so instead the opportunity could have been you shared that post and the white privilege could have been used in a good way in the sense of amplifying your voice. To have a discussion. Exactly. And this is what the freaking movement is about right now is that we, like, I hear this and I see this. People of color, black women, like black people are, are asking us, white people with privilege, to use our platforms, use our voice to amplify what is being said. Because unfortunately and fortunately, depending on how you look at it, we have the privilege and we have the influence. So the question is, how how the fuck are you using it? People are like worried about how their page is gonna look. It doesn't it doesn't go with their feed theme. Uh, they're gonna lose 
followers, like if you're worried about losing people because you see that something is unjust, that there are people that are being oppressed and they're losing their lives and nothing's being done with it and you're worried about losing followers, like I think you're going to be okay. Well, hundred percent, but it's also about being, being a leader. You know what I mean? Like I've spent, I've spent the last few weeks sharing a ton about what I've been learning on my social media and I've been vocal about it. And, and I think the, the willingness that right now this is an awakening and just embracing the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable at times. And also that it will be messy at times. Like when blackout Tuesday happened, I posted a black square on my Instagram and then I took it down. I took it down because I explained for me, I felt that it was performative because absolutely every single person was doing that on the internet and it wasn't actually making a difference. It wasn't doing anything. It was you just know, blacking out what the, the movement. So the now when irony, you go to that hashtag, it's just a bunch of black squares. The irony is that Blackout Tuesday blacked out the movement. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? So instead, I like corrected myself. I owned my shit. Instead of me saying like, oh my God, I feel so bad that I did this. It was like, I'm not doing this because of that. Instead, I'm going to learn more about how I can be anti-racist. I'm going to learn more about, you know, this, this language of like white supremacy and microaggressions and cultural appropriation and these things that we're talking about. And that, you know, that's the thing is like this willingness to be messy. And you know what, Tony, if I'm being totally honest, I, I, I know that I approached you about wanting to do a podcast episode and some people were even saying on the internet, like if you invite black people on your podcast, like, you know, you're, that's not allyship, that's performative just so that you can look good. And then, so there's people saying that, and then there's people saying, yes, white people use your platforms to amplify the voice of black people. And like, because those there's a way to do it. If you've never had a black, like if you have no black friends, and you've never had a black person on your podcast, it's going to look performative as hell. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. But there's also then a way to do it. You can then tell people that you're aware to the fact that you've been blinded by your white privilege and that you want to be more inclusive. Put that message out there because then maybe then that will draw the black coaches and the black healers and whoever who are willing to have these conversations to come and speak with you. It's not for you to go out and like seek them and be like, Hey, come on my podcast. Like who the fuck are you? Like you didn't even acknowledge me before, like before all of this. And that's not, that's not what Kayla's doing at all. Like me and Kayla have been friends and Kayla has accepted me as a human being, not as, Oh, you're a black woman. Come on my podcast. No, but that was actually something that I wanted to talk about the last time that I was on her podcast because it's something that I deal with. It's my every, it's honestly, it, unfortunately it is my existence. Like I <clears throat> made a post about how I used to hate being black because you were never picked. There was all these white dolls. You're either, oh, you're really pretty for a black girl or yo, your hair is so much nicer than everyone else's or, oh, you speak so well, what does that even mean? Or, or if I've had phone calls with people and they're like, oh my God, I didn't know you were black. What does being black sound like? And that, again, that ties into this actually unconscious bias, right? So I know you and I were talking about this before and speaking of, you know, you speak well, I want to, I want to share the story. Is that, can I share the story that I just told you before we started recording? Because I think this is important. (laughs) So the other day, 
my boyfriend came up to me and he's like, I want you to listen to this. And I was like, what is this? Like, what do you want me to listen to? He's like, no, I want you to listen to this. And we're, we're having a racial conversation about this. I'm like, okay. So I was bracing myself. And he goes, I want you to listen to this. And I want you to tell me if you think, like, if you think this person is white. And I was like, I don't like, because I'm so hyper aware of what's going on right now. I was like, this like, is, I don't want to like make anybody upset. I know. Yeah. So I listened and I didn't see, I listened to it for like 10 seconds. And I was like, this this person they sound white i'll be honest they sound white that 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 is what my brain is telling me and but i want to say it's a black person because you're testing me and then he shows me the phone and it was the leader of the ndp in canada who is an indian person like jagmeet singh and i thought wow and that was like the first most intense experience i've ever had of realizing my unconscious bias so in that moment it was what you said like oh this person speaks well they didn't have an accent right and i was like this is so crazy like where else am i doing this in my life and this is the whole point of the awakening is paying attention to the things that were unconscious and automatic before like even mm-hmm. even things like thinking oh like things like stereotypes chinese people can't drive or you know things like that like these are the fact is a lot of people can't drive because a lot of people don't pay attention (laughs) it has nothing to do with your race it's how it's how you learn to drive as a person like it's as we were saying with like different cultures different societies like who's to say that the western culture is the only way it is not the people live different different ways in different parts of the world yeah so as we were saying it's like it's about a, a, a like i don't even want to say it's about adapting because then like to me that means that if if someone comes here to canada or, or america you gotta adapt you gotta you you have to adapt you gotta be western side you gotta learn english no that's definitely not what the case is but like if you're gonna go somewhere like you were saying about like when you were in china um like things are different there like people have different customs so it's like okay well then out of respect you like be a part of that custom if it doesn't work for you don't go there yeah and like I, like I was sharing with you like this is another example of I'm I'm like so openly willing to call myself out on where I've been racist in life because I think it's so important to just lead by example I was sharing this with Tani how and I've shared this on my podcast I lived in China for a year in 2016 2015 2016 I was teaching and I was living outside of Shanghai like in a very rural area and literally the people there could not speak English I was a minority for the first time in my life and it was like I had the experience of being how is that (laughs) oh my god it was so uncomfortable I would like just an example Tani like I would go to the gym to work out and I'm the only white girl in the gym and the Chinese people were taking videos of me working out or they were like staring at me or they would start talking Chinese to me and then they would turn to their whoever they were with and they would start laughing and I have no idea what's going on. So I, when I was in China, I became a very angry person. I was very frustrated. I felt oppressed, right? And I'm not like trying to make this conversation about me, but I'm just sharing that when I was there, I became very righteous that I didn't think that, you know, there was things about the Chinese cultures and customs that I disagreed with. Like I was very righteous about how in Canada, for example, we recycle and we don't, you know, we're not so wasteful and we are more hygienic and like we don't have pollution and, and the way that we handle things, you know, is just quote better than it was in China. And it was like, I was so righteous and I was being oppressed as a white person living in a foreign country, but it was like such an interesting experience to learn that. And it's not comparable whatsoever to, 
you know, me spending a year in China is not the same as black people being oppressed for 400 years. Like not yeah. the same whatsoever. But when so, I was like, you're like, oh my God, I was a minority. I'm like, yeah, how's that? Cause like, that's literally a story of my life. I know, but that's the thing. I, I dealt with it for a year. That's nothing. We're not, you know, you've been alive for, you know, 20, 28, 29 years now. It's like, and then there's the 400 years before that when all of your ancestors have dealt with this. And, and my it, parents and my siblings. Yeah. And now like realizing that like, yeah, my parents were the last time they were, they were around for this. Like they're born in the 19, like fifties or whatever. So like they lived through this, this stuff. Like they dealt with this racism. Um, they went to schools, like they weren't segregated at that point anymore, but they've seen those don't like white only fountain signs and like not been or like been dismissed because the color of their skin so like to me now being in 2020 turning 28 next month and I'm sitting here and I'm like in a sense it's like nothing has changed like of course there have been progressions there have been movements there have been all of that but like that's why when people are like, oh, but this law got passed and this got that. And I'm like, that's nice. Cause like, that's not the full problem. Like this is a full on system. And going back to, I'm sorry, like, I don't know if you wanted to talk about the police or anything like that, but going back to a system, like that is a system. And the thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is that that system was created when slavery ended. And that was another way to oppress black people because they were free. So now you have these black men and women, they're on the streets looking for jobs, trying to, trying to have homes, trying to build families, trying to recover after all of that shit for years. And now there's these, the slave patrol, which were actually the slave patrol were around when the slaves used to try to escape. So like that's, that's where police comes from. That's where your police state comes from whether it's going to be here, here in Canada or the U.S. is the same thing. And it was the same thing they did to the indigenous people um, here in Canada. So there has never been a moment really where black people have been free and without oppression because the moment that they were free, by the way, it took them two years to get that information over them because of course, black people were not educated. They were not given the same education as people who were white. So they didn't know how to read. So once this like declaration got all signed and stuff, no one knew how to read. So they were able to keep that from these black people for a very long time until a ship came over and was like, hey, you guys are free. Like this has been signed. They didn't know. So it's from these, these slave chasers to then sheriffing black people on the streets because now they're free. But if you're on the street, you're gonna get arrested. You're trying to get a job but you're on the street, you're arrested. You're trying to, how are they gonna get food? They had no jobs and no money. So what are you gonna do to get food? To get food? You're gonna steal. Then you're gonna get thrown in jail. There was like, there has never been a moment. And when we had moments where we were above all of this, it was taken away. Just like Central Park was not Central Park before. That actually used to be a really dense, growing black community. Can't remember the name. Again, I'm just learning this. And the fact that I'm just learning this makes me mad and it makes me realize why I never liked history class. I always wanted to learn about the ancient Egyptians and stuff like that. But like the Canadian history that I learned, I was always like, this is boring as hell. This is about a bunch of white dudes 
that like came over and killed a bunch of people and they fought a war and like took over this land that like but like what happened to the people that were on the land before so it's just like to me i'm like this is not going to change until everybody wakes up and realizes that the system has been messed up from the beginning and it doesn't work and i know that people are starting to wake up to that but then there's also that oh but not all cops and um them not wanting to to accept the fact that they have these these little racisms that are around that they that they do on a daily well yeah and it's like what i think what you're about to say was the whole thing where people are defending the police force by saying like quote not all cops are bad but here's the thing if not all cops are bad then the good cops that are there they're not making a difference in the system because the system is still the same so it's not this isn't about the intent this is about the impact the impact is that the system is still intact and racism is still happening and black people are still being killed in their homes on the street minding their own business you know indigenous people are being oppressed like chinese people are being like discriminated against like just it's it's still happening therefore it's not good enough saying that there's good there's some good cops is like still enabling the system because there's good cops in the present moment but the system hasn't changed like that's the point right so mm -hmm. it's a matter of you know people being educated and 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 making a stand and like calling themselves out when they've been racist right which is like some of the examples that i gave and it's like looking back on my life especially after these last few weeks yes i will admit i i do feel bad that i haven't been more aware and that i didn't know these things but also that is part of the system therefore it is individual but the fact that you feel bad i feel bad too as a black canadian because even the fact that like you're like oh i didn't know this there's a lot of the stuff that i didn't even know i there's a lot of my history that i don't even know yeah <laughs> Which is, it's just that part of the system is not knowing then enables things to keep happening. So now this is why people are sharing and they're wanting people to be a stand is like to use your voice and move forward because you have to break the system to be able to, to build a new one. And like breaking the system will be the collective human beings coming together and calling themselves out and being anti-racist. Like that together is what will dismantle the system. And the thing that everyone's like, people are all like, oh, but then what are you going to do when there's no police? Here's the thing about the police a lot of these situations and like i'm gonna talk about regis um who was the toronto woman who quote unquote fell off the balcony so we don't know what the full situation is i again i don't watch the news i don't want to see this stuff it's all negative and they always skew everything so from a standpoint of if someone's so i want you guys to imagine this okay i don't care what color you are what background you are there are two cops at your door aggressively trying to get in. You don't know why they're there. You believe that they're at the wrong house. I don't know what the situation is, but these two cops are at your door and they bust through the door. So I have these cops in your apartment. You're scared because they have guns and you feel like you are trapped. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to your balcony, but now you're at, you're cornered. These cops are not trained for negotiation for to, to save someone from, from suicide attempts or anything. And I'm not saying that that was a suicide because that definitely was not. But they are not trained to handle these situations. And it's very freaking clear if you're paying attention. Like, this is why I keep posting on my stories. I'm like, wake up, pay attention. Like you, it's uncomfortable, yes. But we need you guys to get uncomfortable. We've been uncomfortable all our lives. 
yeah. you can deal with it for however long this decides to last because it's been years and <laughs> just ingrained ancestral pain. So when people are like, oh, dismantle and all, blah, 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 there's plans in place and we already have systems that are not getting the proper funding that they need. There are social workers who are not being paid enough and there's not enough going into that system. And again, with COVID being a thing right now, mental health is going to spike if it hasn't already. So what are we going to be doing about that? How are you going to be helping these people that are dealing with mental health if whether they've, they've lived with it their entire life or now it's a new thing because no one is supposed to be isolated. We are not meant to be alone. Like that is just not human conditioning. And again, that's conditioning. It was brought, it was ingrained into us that we're like, we are meant to be community, but we've got, like gotten so used to just the way that society wants to change things. But like there are there are different outlets that we want that money that's going into police, which is sometimes billions and millions of dollars, which is ridiculous. The amount of money that goes into that and is in all these other systems that are just like ignored, like the education system, where we just weren't there just protests for, for the teachers like a few months ago and about how there's there's not there's not a not being done about the education system and we're taking things away like gym and then we have more people like gym fitness saved my damn life if i didn't have gym class in school i don't think i would have been alive i don't think i would have been here after high school gym saved my life like having gym class got to move that energy out of my body and the fact that we're claiming that people are a lot of people are um ADD, low attention spans, you're not helping these kids that already have that. And then of course, if they're a black kid and they have ADD, then they're a trouble kid, but they don't have that outlet that they need now to get all of that out. And then that's again, where these labels are then created. And you see how it just trickles down. Yeah. So I just started talking about police, but now I'm talking about school and I'm talking about how, how black children are labeled as bad. But you see how that all stems down. Yeah, it, it did. It is all related as much as we think it's not. And one thing that Tanya and I were talking about before we hit record was this concept of the fact of integrity. And integrity is something that is whole and complete and it's working, it's functioning, it's like in alignment. And if you look at the world right now, we are out of integrity we you know that means like if you imagine integrity to be like the wheel of a bike when there's one spoke that is broken it affects the entire wheel and that's exactly what's happening is that right now you know with with racism and just discrimination against mental health and you know the funding that's going to the wrong places to support society like all of this is not working and this is why there's a conflict right now like this is this is why things are blowing up is because it's just gone to the point where that bike spoke can no longer function like it's not able to hold the weight anymore and this is why things are falling apart and and like you said like as a humanity like we are meant to be harmonious together and live together and it's it's not about our skin color and i'm not saying that from an all lives matter perspective what i'm saying is that it shouldn't be someone's skin color that determines they're not determines whether or not that they're safe like that's like let me take this to a scientific level then for you guys because I'm in massage school right now, we're learning about different systems of the body. So we're learning about the integumentary system. So our skin. So for instance, we all actually produce melanin. It's just 
an, a, a certain amount that certain people produce and some people don't. The body naturally produces that. So I have more melanin in my body, which makes my skin tone darker. You have melanin in your body too, but yours isn't gonna, isn't gonna produce that for your skin color to be darker. It may actually produce for your skin, your, um, your eyes to be brown instead of green. So from a scientific level, we all have melanin, number one. So the only difference is that we are literally like a rainbow, put a color palette on it. You know how Instagram lately has that stupid filter where you have the color, the color panel? So yeah. yeah, if you wanna talk from like the darkest, Sudanese person to the whitest white person. That is like the, the rainbow of melanin. It is a scale. And the melanin also works with, like, as I said, your eye color, my, my eyes are brown. But if something in my DNA decided to just move and shift, I could have green eyes, I could have hazel, hazel eyes. So like the fact that we're hating each other because of something we cannot control I can't control that I'm dark. Like, do you think that I wanted to be born into this oppression? No. If I had the choice, I would have been born white so that I wouldn't have to deal with this shit. And I could just live and coast by ignorantly as well. But I don't have that privilege. I don't get to live my life like that. So like, the fact that we can't see how messed up this is, and I know that there are people who do, who have those signs who are like, I bleed the same blood as you. Like we're all made of the same damn thing, but there's a system in place that says that if your skin is darker, you're not, there's, you're not pure. You're, it's not right. Does that, that, that terrible quote is that white is right. Right. So like, but like who, who said, who created that? Where did that come from? And why is it still something that people are still believing in today? Well, this, I love that you're bringing this up right now because I talked to you about this, but I also want to talk about agreement realities, agreement realities and just stories and just the fact that it's us as a whole, as human beings becoming more conscious and aware of this is what's going to shift everything. And so agreement realities, if you've never heard this before, is that, for example, at some point, we'll say a white man decided that he was going to oppress black people and use them as slaves for, you know, his benefit, which then turned into white privilege. And that became a reality. And what happened was more and more people started agreeing with that reality, you know, and this whole thing started with an idea, like everything starts with an idea. So what's happened is over the years, people were just unconsciously agreeing with this reality. They were either like unconsciously enabling it or consciously enabling it. And this has just continued on for hundreds and hundreds of years. So now what's happening, and you know, I'm just talking about integrity and how we're out of integrity, and this is why things are falling apart. And it's a good thing that they're falling apart, to be quite honest with you. But the other thing is that this is also the dismantling of an agreement reality that you know people of color and black people are less than white people. That was an agreement reality, and now people are disagreeing with it. I mean, yes, they've been disagreeing for years, but what I'm saying is right now more than ever with this Black Lives Matter movement, People are disagreeing with this. We're, we're, we're creating a new, like what is happening right now is that we're creating a new reality of inclusivity and acknowledging the language that we use and how we express ourselves and, and microaggressions and catching ourselves with unconscious biases. This is the new reality coming to life. And yes, it is a fight. It is uncomfortable. But growth comes from uncomfortability. And this is why you'll see posts where people are saying not just dismantling the police as like a force, 
dismantling the police in your mind and in your heart. Yes. Oh my God. I love you said that. <laughs> Cause when I saw that, like Kayla, like that literally blew me away because I was like, damn. Cause they're like, they're, I, I have my own biases, man. Like I'm like, I can't even admit that I've been biased to black men. I can definitely, I can admit to that. And again, it's based on a, like, based on a system that I was somehow brought into. And again, I went to a school that was mostly white. And like, yeah. that was my reality for like three years. Right. So, and it's very easy for things to be picked up as patterns. The more we like repeat it, the more it becomes a pathway in our mind. Like if you want, again, if you want to get scientific with it, like, so the fact now that we're like, okay, defund the police, like dismantle the police. Yes, that system needs to be dismantled because it doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And it's been based on a biased and oppressive system from the beginning. But at the same time, because that bias and, and oppressive system was created, that's ingrained internally in you. So you got to dismantle that shit too. So that's why like, I'm like, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, honestly, glad to have you as an ally and as a friend, because I see the work that you're doing. And I've like, when you were talking about all people putting that black square, when you said that, I was like, oh man, I've noticed I've been like, it isn't, that doesn't matter to me anymore. Like when I've been looking at people's profiles now that they've been posting like, hey, it's summer, look at me in the sun. And I'm like, bitch, you're not understanding what the hell's going on in the world right now. But like, you have the privilege to just go out and go to a cottage and go to a wherever and not, not have to think about this. Where I was like, I'm like, that's all I can think about. So I'm like, to just have a black square on your post, on your, on your page is not enough. It is not enough. And if you're not talking about it in your stories, you're definitely not doing enough. Well, yeah, that's just it. And, you know, I've, I've approached, once this movement really started happening a couple of weeks ago, I had some friends, some white friends who weren't saying anything on their social media. And I know that there's a really big thing right now where people are getting defensive. I get it because it's, these are uncomfortable conversations and facing your own shit is, is work. It's work. It's not, it's not, it's not a good time. That's fine. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you don't do it. So I've gone and I've had conversations and DMS with my friends who have not said anything. And I've come from a place of curiosity. Hey, I noticed that you haven't said anything about the black lives matter movement. Like what's going on. And there's a difference there. There's a difference between me DMing them and then saying you're an asshole because you didn't post a black square. You haven't said anything. Or just why aren't you posting anything about no. what's happening? No. And so what I've noticed is that when I've like slid into the DMs of my friends and been like, hey, like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Right. What's coming up is that people don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to start. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't think their voice matters. And so, See, so that's what really irks me. And I've had to correct, I had to check people on this. Okay. So if you are supporting black lives, post it. If you say something that is incorrect, then just deal with it. Deal that's with exactly the repercussions it. of it yeah. because someone's going to educate you. It doesn't matter that you don't know right now. What matters is that we know that you don't stand for this bullshit. I don't yeah. care. Like, like someone, there was a tattoo company that really wanted to write a letter. And I was like, they're like, oh, I want to make sure we don't say anything wrong. And I was like, listen, dude, like I'm not in the space for this. And also I don't care. Like just say what you need to say. Cause I like, I know it's not going to offend anybody to say that you're an ally. Like just straight up say that you don't stand for what's happening to the black community right now. 
and you are make you are going to make an effort to not be blinded by your white privilege and to own it and to be more inclusive it doesn't mean that now you're going to go out and find like five black friends like that's not what we're asking you to do no. we're asking for you to use your voice you're on a page you're posting all these other stupid things and memes can you post a a, a, a story or a page that says like defund the police or like black lives matter no justice no peace yeah and I think that th this will happen with time where, you know, and that is white privilege, like not having to post, like nothing, nothing bad will happen to you if you don't post. That is what white privilege is, right? But the thing is, if, if black people don't speak up, then they'll continue to be oppressed. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, for those who haven't said anything or, you know, that those uncomfortable conversations to have with your friends and family who are saying racist comments and things like those conversations need to be had. And they don't have to be had from place of make wrong. It can be had from place of like, I'm educating you, just take this. Because here's the thing, when we get called out for our white privilege or being fragile or like microaggressions, unconscious biases, like all of the things that I'm talking about in our episode today, when we get called out, that is an opportunity to grow. It is an opportunity to cause a shift in that moment and to not enable ignorancy. That's, that's all it is. It's actually an, a fucking opportunity. It's not, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person and that you shouldn't say anything. It doesn't mean that it, it, it's, it's an opportunity to step up and take ownership of the impact that you can actually make in society and like to actually be part of the change. Yeah. Cause that's like another big thing. And it's like, once this is all over, where do you want to be known that you, what side were you on? What are you going to tell your grandchildren? that you just kind of sat back while all this stuff happened on social media and you just waited for whatever to happen to happen. Like, that, get in the game. Like, you, you're you not just sitting, this is not about sitting on the sidelines and just waiting to see what happens. This is about actually making a change and seeing that there is injustices. And the one thing that I really liked that someone posted was it was a Latin American girl and she posted, if black lives don't matter now, I'm next. Hmm. Because if yeah. this doesn't change, who do you think the next oppressed people are going to be? Yeah. And like, and again, this has been indigenous people in Canada, but we like to just dust that under the rug and we don't talk about it. And yeah, that's like, why, and that's why, quote unquote, Canada is not racist, right? It's because it's because it's been dust under the rug. So nobody, you don't see it, don't you don't see it, don't hear about it. It's not there. And like, here's the thing too: is that we act like it's a segregation. You know, the U.S., Canada. Like we're speaking more about North America because we live in Canada. Like I can't speak for Europe and so on, right? But yeah, my boyfriend showed me a video video of Justin Trudeau. I don't know if you saw this, but yeah. somebody had asked Justin Trudeau about. Donald Trump's behavior of I think he what tear gassed people to go take a picture with the Bible in front of the White House or something like that and Justin Trudeau took 21 seconds he paused for 21 seconds he didn't say anything and then he answered regarding what they were doing in Canada about racism where in that moment he could have like stood up for Americans from Canada and 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 discussed how that is not okay but instead 
in that sense, like, this is, like, so cringy. That was white fragility right there. Exactly. And I get that he's in a political position, but in those 21 seconds, could you have not talked about how that is not right and how people who are protesting peacefully should not be tear gassed? So then as people of Indigenous and Black people of color... Justin Trudeau is for white supremacy. That's what it comes down to because you don't want to say anything and you're going to change subjects. That means you don't care to talk about this and it's uncomfortable. Yes, but we're in this moment right now. How how much more are you going to shove it under the rug? It's going to come right back up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's the, it's the fur ball that the cat wants out, you know, like it's just, it's coming right back up. It's going to be gross. It's going to sound really bad. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, (laughs) listen, I've seen my cat toss up hairballs a few times and it's disgusting, but it's like, they feel great after. Like, that's what this is. And I'm like, oh, you poor thing, because it looks like it's so terrible and you want to help them. But it's like, you got to do this on your own. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, here we are. The uh, anti-racism movement, the hairball coming up yeah. in society. That's, that's, yeah. that's what this comes down to. Hey, this is how people learn things. We create metaphors so that people can can learn to integrate it in a way that they'll understand, which is like what I've talked about with people a lot of the time when we've talked about, uh, like when I talked about personal development I've done and how um, I didn't like being restricted and being told that like, no, 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 this is, it's this way, this way only, and it doesn't relate to this. Whereas for me and where the, the way that my mind works, and just from my basic understanding of how everybody learns things differently, for me to grasp the concept that this program was trying to teach me, I had to relate that concept to something in my life that I've already experienced. And that's just kind of how our brains work. Unfortunately, when it comes to like trying to have no meaning, it's hard sometimes to not have meaning because it's all our brains do. <laughs> like they're yeah. always trying to find a meaning out of something just like how I'm trying to understand, like, I'm literally just like every day, like, make this shit make sense. Like, the fact that I can, like, logically, like, make, like, logically understand how all of this stuff that's happening in the world shouldn't be happening. And there are people that are like that as well. And I know, and I see them because they're on the streets and they're fighting and they're putting themselves in front of black bodies when the cops show up. Thank God for them, because we would have way more people dead. But like, not everybody is willing to come to that that understanding and be in that uncomfortable moment and realize like wait a second this isn't right yeah and i think that when you're talking about moments like this is a black lives matter movement right and it is for people of color as well and i think that what's important is that this is a massive this is a massive ginormous thing to overcome. Like this is history in the making right now. And what matters that I think people are underestimating is their everyday behavior, their thoughts, like questioning themselves, like me listening to that video and thinking it was a white man and it was an Indian man. Like that is an unconscious bias. Like imagine if every single person just took responsibility, even for themselves to just challenge the way that they think, question the way that they they think, the, the beliefs that they have, like, you know, the slight microaggressions towards asking like a black woman about her hair. Like it's these little moments every single day that add up and create the movement and give momentum to the movement. That's what matters. Exactly. So like, 
I don't know, man. That's why, like, even seeing people of color be silent, man, I'm just like, what are you doing? It's actually, it's actually, at this point in time, it's safer to join the movement than it is to hang back. Yeah, very much. Because, because honestly, because people, we're in cancel culture, if you haven't noticed, with everybody like, oh, that person's canceled. Um, before all of this stuff blew up, I remember they were like, oh, Doja Cat said something racist, blah, 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 blah. And I made a post and I was like, if all of you actually um, pay less attention to the shit that the celebrities are saying and what and to what's actually happening in the world with all these black people being murdered, then like, maybe then like, there'd be a change. Cause I'm like, who gives a crap about someone like a celebrity? The celebrities are dumb sometimes, okay? And like, sometimes they do it for the publicity. So you're buying into that system over there too. But while while that's happening, right in front of your face, cops are kneeling on people's necks after Kevin Kaepernick decided to be peaceful about it and be like, listen, this needs to stop. But y'all got mad about that. Got mad about a, a black man trying to be peaceful. Just like they got mad at MLK. Just like they got mad about that. Guess what happened to him? He got assassinated. Guess what happened with that whole story that happened with him? Oh, like it, like they they tried to blame it on some other bullshit or whatever. Um, I'm not gonna try and relay that back because I don't want to get it wrong and like I feel like I'm on a tangent, so I won't even get it right. But this has been history repeating itself. There's these young black teens going missing. There's um, people being hung by trees. We are literally in 2020 and people are being lynched. And the police are saying, oh, it was a suicide. Who's trying to kill themselves outside of their school in a random parking lot? Um, I actually just saw one um, where people saved this black kid from the white people that were trying to lynch him. And I've never, I have never seen the effect of what a rope will do to a person's neck. Yeah, it's... And I've never... The thing that I've told people, like, I used to, like, there were movies and stuff. I remember there's a movie with, like, Samuel L. Jackson that I, like, I hate it and I love it. The only part of the movie that I love is the end when he gets revenge on these white people who were not going to be prosecuted and he walks into the into the courtroom and he shoots them all. That's the only part of that movie that I like. Because the whole reason that happened is because his little daughter, this is back in the South, back in the day, is walking home by herself. And these men in a truck do what they want with her. And to me, I hated those movies. I cannot watch them. And I feel like I'm living one. I can't, yeah, and that's, I can't press pause. I can't stop this movie. This is my life. This is our life. And that's and like, why it's so, like, it's... I, you know, I really want the people listening to this right now to, to get the importance of your voice and educating yourself and taking action. And like, just even just listening to this episode isn't enough. Like there needs to be action taken, like continue to educate yourself, like invest in books that will teach you about white fragility and supremacy and dismantling racism. Like all of these things are so important. And, and have these conversations with yes. your family and it's going to suck. It's not going to be easy. Just like it's never easy to like create boundaries with your family members because something about what they do doesn't make you comfortable. It's going to be the exact same thing. It's not going to be easy. You might have to cut people off. 
I have a friend down the street who had to block his uncle, but the whole family collectively decided that we're not going to tolerate this ignorance. Like, yes, they are white and they're not tolerating it because they see that this is unjust and this is murder. Yeah, no, you're right. So, I mean, what, let's talk about, like right now we're definitely focused on the problem and this, this is important. And what do you think some of the solutions are that people, like the actions that people can take listening to this episode right now, they finished the episode. What are, what are some like consistent long-term actions that people can take that will make a difference? Go and support the black people in your life. Like go love on them and don't do it in a way of, of guilt. Just be there, listen to them and notice what they're sharing and share those posts. If you don't know what it is before you share it, read it, educate yourself. Like I'm still educating myself right now. There's a lot of history that I didn't even know about because a lot of it was hidden. There's a lot of things that I didn't even know about white fragility and things that I was allowing to just be okay with the people that were in my life. So I'm posting these things and I'm sharing these things. So go look for those people. Go look for the leaders in your life. Go look for the black people that are in your life. And if you don't have any black people in your life, you need to evaluate that as well and, and ask yourself what that's about. Yeah. Um, and then from there, go support these these pages on, I know you're all on Instagram and you're on Facebook, but the the where the big movements are happening right now are on Instagram. Go follow those pages that are like, um, like the Black Lives Movement, there's the one in Toronto, there's not another Black life. Um, go support some of the, the um, protests that are happening. If you feel that that's something that you can do, like you have the, the, the capacity to be at a protest and be present, be aware, know what's happening. Make sure you know the organizers, go with groups of people that you know, never go to a, or like a protest that's organized and you don't know who's there or who's going. Because there are people who are just trying to cause shit, unfortunately. There's always going to be the good, the, the people who are trying to do good and the people who are trying to just sabotage the people who are trying to do good, right? So just inform yourself and don't think that, don't think that sharing is, is some, in some way you're going to say the wrong thing. The only thing that you can say that is wrong is if you're like, all cops, all cops aren't mad or all lives matter. We know that all lives matter what's happening right now is no one gives a shit about black life. So we need you to. Yeah. And I love that you're saying this. And also just, I think people really like you listening to this, like you really need to get that the agreement realities that you have in your life is what is contributing to the system being enabled. Let me, and so, let me search an example of that. Okay. So for instance, where, where I don't agree with the system is in relationships. Okay. So I don't claim to be poly or open or anything, but I've decided to educate myself and ask where did monogamous relationships come from? Why is that a normal but I have these lovely, beautiful friends who are in poly or open relationships and they are thriving and they have this, some, not all couples, but there are, I've found that in the open relationships that are, that work and they last, they have amazing communication. They talk, they share, 
they are vulnerable with each other. So to me is why then is it in society that it's only supposed to be monogamous when if we look back at history, people were in communities. So that's an example of taking a look at the system that's in place and questioning why it's there. And questioning why do you agree with it or why don't you? And exploring that, being willing to be uncomfortable, knowing that, see what happens is that people get uncomfortable and then that evokes fight or flight. And then it's like, I don't want to touch this. I don't want to deal with it. But the reality is that even that reaction, the fight or flight is a trained response. So if you even just look at that, you know, being uncomfortable, having a conversation about racism or calling someone out or calling yourself out and being vulnerable about it, looking at that and, and experiencing that fight or flight, but instead of choosing fight or flight in that moment, choose this is growth. This is growth to go through what I'm feeling so that I can take a different action. I can shift my thinking and contribute to the movement that Black Lives Matter. And you should want to get uncomfortable. Why do you want to stay comfortable? There's it's no growth there. 100%. Nothing changes. Exactly. That's the whole point. If you're comfortable, if we're comfortable, nothing changes. Being uncomfortable means that things are changing. The fact that uncomfortable conversations are happening and that you know, there's things being shared virally on the internet about like the abuse and murders and everything that's going on. Like the, I like, dare I say this, it's a good thing that we're uncomfortable and that we're seeing this because now we can do something about it. And that's the whole point of this conversation that we're having right now. Like I'd rather this uncomfortability, is that a word? <laughs> yes, 100%, whatever. Um, it's fine. I'm like, I would rather experience this and be uncomfortable than to like just ignore that it's even happening like what we need right now like so like how i say i don't watch the news that makes me uncomfortable i do not like the news the news is always negative but i'm willing to get uncomfortable and i don't watch the news still because the news excuse things but i'm willing to get uncomfortable and listen to these people who are literally at these protests, who are sharing the real stories of what's happening before the media twists it. And I'm willing to get uncomfortable and feel uncomfortable and cry and feel angry and be with these emotions and be with being numb and accept the fact that this is how my body has been trained to deal with these responses and that's okay. But at the same time, I'm not turning a blind eye to what's happening. And I can admit that I have in the past because this is not happening in Canada. Yeah. So rude awakening, right? It's, it's time to wake up. That's what's happening. Is it? this is 2020 is the awakening pandemic, yep. black lives matter movement. And World on fire. Else, yeah. Donald Trump not being reelected. I'm suggesting that to the entire world right now. Mm-hmm. So that's what this is about is just everyone stepping into their own power and directing it towards like what is actually going to benefit everyone not just white supremacy. And the last reason why we need you white allies is because we're not gonna be able to get through to the white people that are not supportive of black lives and it's not our job. Well, that's just it. This is why I shared that I went and had conversations with my white friends. Like, hey, why aren't you sharing? Oh, you're uncomfortable? This is how you can actually use your voice. And me as a white person educating them to show up and to share. Oh, and I mean the ones who are just, mm-mm, I mean the ones who are vocally saying nasty things on the internet because they're hiding behind a computer. And I faced 
two of them since this has happened, minus the people that I just deleted. But it is not our job to try and convince them that our life means something. And it's not our job to, to change their racist views. That's on, honestly, it's on, it's on white people as if, if we're gonna keep putting labels on people, it's, as, it's on white people as a community to, to, to educate these white people who are being so ignorant to basic human decency. Yeah, I, I honestly believe it, it will take time because we're, we're moving an entire planet. But I honestly believe that those people who are racist will become the minority. They yeah, will. and it, it's they are starting to. A hundred percent, but it's it's just not going to last. And I think that I really believe that good is coming out of this. Like I honestly believe that, and I know that history will not be forgotten. And I really believe like trust in the process and the, the actions that we take every day are so so critical and so important and like so impactful. And it is, it is important that despite being in the chaos right now to focus on the end goal and that's like freedom for lives. Like that's what, that's, that's what this is. Like everyone deserves that. Like no one else deserves to be on this planet more than anyone. And if anyone says that, it's because somebody made a decision, but who, who, who are they to say? And that's what I've had to wrap my head around is like not focusing on the problem per Mm -hmm. se is to keep speaking because I know that we're going to come out of this in the end and focusing on like what, like what the benefit of all of this can be in the positive, like outcome, but which is hard to see right now. And again, with so many years of all of this going on with like, even if slavery wasn't around, just like these small little things that were just switched around to just not call it slavery anymore. It's like, it's a matter of really like all of us coming together and realizing it's going to be uncomfortable, but like, this is where we're really going to need to, this is where we really need community. And this is why it's so important for your friends of color to see you supporting black lives or indigenous lives. Just anyone who is of darker skin supporting that NDP leader for per se, like things like that, that should not have happened. The fact that someone again, and that's like, that's, that's, someone being uncomfortable with their privilege and saying like, if someone wants to call out racism and you're then just kicking them out, you can't do that. We just need you to listen. It's not about having a debate. It's not about having an argument. It's about having a conversation and for you to listen to us, to understand what it is that we've been dealing with for years. It's not up for debate for you to be like, that's not racist. If you are not the oppressed, you do not have a say in what is racist or not. Yeah, 100%. And I think the other thing too, I just wanted to touch on really quickly is that those who are experiencing anger and rage and and being frustrated and vocalizing this, and when people say, you know, calm down or whatever it is, like that is a whole other podcast episode that we can do. But I do, I just want to touch on this, that like, those emotions need to be released. This is what's happening right now. 2020 is the release of anger and rage and all that. And the fact of the matter well, is- We are in cancer eclipse. It is cancer <laughs> season, baby. Yeah. It is about feeling into those emotions right yeah. now. This year was set up this way on purpose. Whether you believe in astrology, the moon, all of that, this year was set this way on purpose. Yeah. 
but it's like these these emotions need to be released in order for us to experience like peace and harmony as a collective they can't yeah. they, they cannot coexist so uh, honestly if you see somebody who's raging about racism like like don't just, tell them not to be mad no they but have just, a right to be mad no but just cheer them on and be like oh my god you're releasing so much right yeah. now like, this is so good like let me tell you what what anger is if you actually get down to like cognitive behavioral therapy what is anger it's when you've been wronged or hurt yeah so to tell people to not be angry is you just denying what's happening for them yeah it needs to be released. It, it needs to be, to be welcomed and we just have to be a space and for And embrace and then be a space, be a clearing for those people. Yeah, 100%. It's, Which is I, what you're doing for me right now. Like this is for, for you to also have been connecting with me, checking in on me. And like, and again, like, of course, like I just was overwhelmed because people are all up in my inbox and stuff. And I'm like, now you guys want to talk to me because like the whole world's topsy-turvy. But I had to also check myself because I'm like, okay, who are, who are the people who are really actually caring about me that are worrying about me in this time? And, and why am I interpreting a message that way? So it's up to me as well as a black person to give our allies the space for them to be allies and to educate them in a sense like where they are not afraid of, of speaking with us. Because as you keep saying, and I keep hearing, I don't want to say the wrong thing. You cannot say the wrong thing if you are for black life. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I am very appreciative that we have this conversation. And also, even before, we, Tani and I have been talking for like three hours today, actually. <laughs> now this is, we've been recording this probably for over an hour. But the thing is, I, you know, I wanted to have a conversation with you before we even hit record because we did, we had to work through some things before we jumped into this conversation. Cause like we were crying, we were laughing, you know, this, like this whole thing really is a journey and it is an opportunity. And this is not a personal development project. This is changing the world. It's not the same. Yes. There is a lot of personal growth and opportunity involved in becoming anti-racist and educating ourselves. And you know, and even part of me was worried that having this podcast episode with Tani was a performative thing, but it's not because we're coming here and we're being real and we're sharing and we're having a conversation as like a white woman and a black woman. Also, you didn't real. decide to dictate where this podcast would go. No, so even I was like, girl, do you have like show notes for me? Cause like, where's this going to go? Like, I want to stay on like a, like, like some sort of structure but yeah. she was like no nah, I don't have that and I was like okay because like I'm glad we did that because yeah in the beginning like it was a lot of emotion I'm glad we did not record um and I was even moved by the fact that you were tearing up like I couldn't look at you and I was like oh my god like you you can feel what I'm feeling yeah because I'm like it's a lot of hurt and I was saying to Kayla and I was laughing because someone else and like another witchy female was saying the same thing is I'm a cannabis enthusiast, so like this, let's get that out of the way. But <laughs> but I was saying like normally for me, I, like I don't smoke that much, but I've just been smoking to the point where I'm like, am I even getting high? Like, is this even doing anything? To the point where I'm like, this just must be so much pain, sadness, and anger from generations and generations because your DNA is made up of like your lineage, right? So you get pieces of your father, your father gets pieces of his mother and his father and so on and so forth, right? So if you think about it from the DNA level, this is ancestral pain that people are feeling. 
So like, that's why you'll see people out on the streets setting things on fire and breaking things because we've had enough. It's not even just like us now in this moment. It's the people who came before us. Yeah. And speaking for them and, and, you know, making and, yeah, so like for to, the future. So like to be silent, especially as someone of color right now in this moment, it's just like so disrespectful to where you came from. Cause you probably wouldn't have been here if it weren't for them and what they've been through. And I just even re- learned that Harriet Tubman was in St. Catharines. Did you know that? No. Exactly. There's a whole museum in St. Catharines, Ontario. And I only found that out because of a white photographer that I was friends with. And it was like, oh, look, like taking pictures of, because all of this happened, right? And it was part of one of his assignments. And I was like, I did not even know that Harriet, like I heard that like people came into Canada. I didn't know where. She brought them in through St. Catherine, saved like almost over 700 slaves and brought them to freedom. Wow. See that, there's so much to learn, right? And I, I love that, you know, you've brought your experience and knowledge to the conversation and I've shared things and was still able to tie in like mindset and the sense of awareness around integrity and agreement realities. And, and it's just pulling all of that apart and it's uncomfortable because it's gross and that's it. So mm-hmm. is there any, is there any last minute things that you wanted to share, Tani, before I wrap things up? Just get uncomfortable guys. And like, if you need resources, you don't know where to go. Honestly, I'm at the point in space in my life where if you want to send me a DM and ask me where you can go, where you can look, where you can donate, where you can sign petitions, please send me a message. You can follow me on Instagram at uh, borderline fit vixen underscore. Um, and I'm pretty, I live on Instagram. It's like where I build my business, but yeah, like just, you'll even see in my posts, like I've, I've tagged people who are amazing resources. There's also amazing actors who are just out there in the streets right now that are talking. So follow those people and just like, don't be silent about this. Cause like, just think about where you want to be in, in history after all this is done. No, hundred percent. Thank you so much for coming on today, Tony. I really appreciate it. I love you so much. And like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing this because I was scared to do this. I didn't know what to talk about. Um, and it hurts. Um, so I thank you for giving me the space to do this and like giving me the space as a friend to have that conversation with you before <laughs> getting down to business. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Like I'm really committed to that. And I want, I want your voice to be heard. And that's why I came on here and I said, I don't have a script. And you don't know how much that means to me. We were just talking about things we, we create as children, like not being heard, being silenced so much. And now that's like a trigger for me. (laughs) So the fact that you're like, no, I wanted you to be heard. Like to me that like, you don't know how much that means to me. Oh, I'm yeah. Good, good things are coming. I know it. I want, I want to thank all the listeners today. I mean, this conversation was definitely one of the toughest podcast episodes I recorded in the sense of like just being vulnerable and being real with what's going on in the world. And, you know, if, if you want to talk about things, like, like Tony said, send us a DM and I want to thank you for listening. And, you know, I want to invite you to subscribe to my channel. Like, continue to be open-minded and continue to learn. And, you know, if you want to leave a review, like share, just do what will empower you because that's the point of this channel. So I want to thank all my listeners today for listening and I will see you in the next episode.